Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. This week's implosion of the GOP healthcare overhaul in Congress might be the biggest failure of Mitch McConnell's 30-year career in the Senate. The Senate Republican leader has become known as a master of the legislative process. But maybe a lesser-known fact about McConnell is that he also holds deeply philosophical, even romantic views of the Senate as a body of deep deliberation, elevated debate, and cooperation in order to solve the important issues of our time. But does his record as Senate leader really reflect any of those things? Since he became top leadership in 2004, the Senate has become increasingly divided. Open deliberation has been quashed. Procedures that were once held sacred have been changed in favor of political expediency. And less is getting done. Where does the botched health care bill leave Mitch McConnell as a politician and as a statesman? And is Mitch McConnell changing? What's the evolution of Mitch McConnell look like? Is this someone who has been altered by the experience in Washington? Is this someone who has given up on the ideals that he used to articulate so clearly in favor of the bitter partisanship that seems to rule the day in Washington? We want to spend much of the hour today talking about Mitch McConnell, who he is, where he's from, and how he has changed over that 30-year career in the Senate. And joining me now to kick off that conversation is Jamie Luke. She is an editorial writer with the Lexington Herald Leader in Kentucky. Jamie, welcome to Detroit Today. Great to be here, Steve. Yes. Uh, And I want to kick this off with just a little sound about Mitch McConnell. Uh, When he first ran for the Senate in uh, the mid-1980s, he had a really interesting ad that caught national attention about sort of how he was trying to gain his seat. Let's take a listen to that. My job was to find D. Huddleston and get him back to work. Huddleston was missing big votes on Social Security, the budget, defense, even agriculture. Huddleston was skipping votes but making an extra $50,000 giving speeches. I just missed him when D. skipped votes for his $1,000 Los Angeles speech. Let's go, boys. We got him now. I was close at D.'s $2,000 speech in Puerto Rico. Thank you very much. We can't find D. Maybe we ought to let him make speeches and switch to Mitch for senator. Switch to Mitch for senator. <laughs> that was an ad he ran against Walter Darling D. Huddleston, who represented Kentucky in the United States Senate from 1973 until 1985. That ad, of course, was at least somewhat successful because Mitch McConnell won that election. Jamie Luke, talk about uh, who Mitch McConnell was when he ran for this seat uh, in the 1980s and, and became uh, the junior senator at that point from the state of Kentucky. Well, he was um, a a far different political figure then and now, obviously. he That was long enough ago, Steve, that the term liberal Republican was not an oxymoron. (laughs) Right. right. And he was thought of as being very um, progressive and certainly moderate. He prided himself on on his um, position on civil rights, that Mm -hmm. he was for um, civil rights and desegregation and um, uh, progressive causes like that. He, um, he uh, won the endorsement of the Louisville Courier-Journal um, 
not for not for the Senate seat, but for his first political office, which was judge executive of Jefferson County, which is the county where Louisville is. It's right. sort of like the mayor of the county. And the Courier-Journal endorsed him on the basis of his um, um, progressive agenda. And uh, Barry Bingham Sr. later said that was the biggest mistake they ever made was helping him <laughs> launch his political career. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this was a very different time, not just in Kentucky, but in the United States, as you point out, where the idea of being a Republican but also holding these uh, progressive views, I guess, would, would be the best way to describe them, was not anathema. But it, but it was also a time when Republicans and Democrats working together, uh, whether they were compromising on progressive or, uh, or more conservative terms, was not, as, was not seen as, uh, as problematic as it is now. Not at all. I mean, remember the um, partnership between President Ronald Reagan and Democrat Tip O'Neill yes. when he was um, when he was the Senate leader, and they um, you know they worked together and uh, compromised on a big tax reform package. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, talk about how Mitch has changed over this thirty years, and and sort of how that has looked from there in Kentucky. Uh, I should also say that, that I spent a, a few years working in Kentucky, working with Jamie Luke at the, uh, at the Herald Leader. We've known each other for a long time. I remember him as a very different figure there uh, than, than, than he is now uh, on the national scene. Well, if you read his um, autobiography, which is called The Long Game, it came out last year, mm-hmm. um, what comes through very clearly, and I think people who've been Mitch watchers for a long time would agree, is that he is fixated on winning. From you know the first time he ran for for student government president, <laughs> through every election he's been in, he's very proud that he's never lost. I mean, he's been elected six times to the Senate mm-hmm. from Kentucky, the longest of anyone from the state. But his 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 mind is purely political, and he's always been willing to adapt his policies, his principles, to his political aims. Mm. And one example would be campaign finance. Sure. Um, He, at one point, I mean, he's always been the most prominent advocate of um, money as speech and uh, mounting a First Amendment defense for basically unlimited um, campaign donations. Mm-hmm. Um, but early on, he was also a staunch advocate of transparency, that as long as you knew um, where the money was coming from, it was very obvious, the sources of all the money, then it wasn't a problem. Well, he's, he's completely abandoned his devotion to transparency in the era of dark money, mm-hmm. of, you know, of money of political money that's pouring into our politics that we can't trace its sources. So that's one example of how, of expediency, of, um, of um, his political goals dictating his, his principles, his 
uh, governing principles. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Jamie Luke. She is an editorial writer with the Lexington Herald Leader in Lexington, Kentucky. We are talking about Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, who uh, represents the state of Kentucky as well as the rest of the Senate as its, its leader. Uh, we're talking about his 30 year career in the Senate. Mitch McConnell ran as a very different kind of candidate than he is as Senate Majority Leader now, somebody who could reach across the aisle to Democrats and compromise on things, somebody who held some progressive views pretty dear to uh, his political uh, outlook on life. He's a really different character now. Why has that happened? What is the evolution of Mitch McConnell about? And in the wake of the failure to get the Senate Republican health care bill through, what does the future look like? for Mitch McConnell. Is he the leader who will be able to take the party to where it wants to go, to take the Senate where it wants to go? Uh, Or is he in some jeopardy? If you want to join the conversation, tell us what uh, yesterday's healthcare failure says to you about political leadership in Washington. Does it give you confidence in the system or does it shake that confidence? Uh, Tell us what you think about someone like Mitch McConnell, who's Uh, raw, sort of bare-knuckled partisanship has sort of uh, highlighted his outlook in in recent years. Think of uh, the maneuvering he achieved to prevent, for instance, a uh, a Senate vote for uh, Barack Obama's Barack Obama's nomination of Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court. And now he's walking around bragging about the fact that uh, we have Neil Gorsuch instead on the high court. Uh, is that is that the way we ought to be conducting business in Washington? Is Mitch McConnell the person to do that? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also join uh, the WDT Facebook page uh, and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Um, uh, Jamie, I, I want to I ask about Mitch McConnell's relationship with Kentuckians, uh, the people who elect him uh, every six years to the Senate. Has that changed over the years and is maybe one of the things that has changed about him the way that voters have changed in Kentucky. When I lived there in the early 90s, uh, Democrats had a much more sporting chance, it seemed, uh, in in local and statewide races. It's really not that way now. Is that part of the explanation for the change in Mitch McConnell? I think that's part of it. Kentucky has become pretty much a red state. Um, an interesting thing is McConnell is really not that popular in Kentucky. Um, he um, his negative ratings are very high in polls, mm-hmm. and the reason he wins, I think, has a lot to do with his strategic and tactical abilities. In that he um, he he um, wins because of low turnout elections yes. to a great extent. He is so good at negative campaigning, <laughs> at portraying his opponent in ways that turn off voters. That in a way, what happens is that people just become kind of disgusted with both of them, and he and he wins. And of course, last time he won by like a really wide margin. So it's you know it's hard to say that Kentuckians don't like him when when he keeps being returned to the Senate. But 
uh, it's you know I don't think he ever really thinks he has an easy race necessarily, and um, um, you know polls I I think polls continue to show he's the least popular of any U.S. senator. Yeah, uh, his his opponent last time was Allison Lundergan Grimes, someone from another. Uh, well-known political family in in Kentucky, uh, he beat her pretty pretty badly, uh, and and uh, at the same time, people were sort of putting to that race early, thinking, "Well, this is this is a chance to knock him off." That sort of speaks to his unpopularity, but but the difficulty that Democrats have finding somebody who who can who can actually challenge him and 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 even though Kentucky's a state that just a few years ago still had a democratic governor uh, it has been unable to sort of chip away at the at McConnell's hold on that seat that is true and i think a democrat would have to think very hard about running against him because he would be portrayed in a way that could end your career uh-huh Mm-hmm. running against McConnell. Yeah. And, you know, I think one thing that's interesting to me, Steve, about the impasse among Republicans in the Senate right now that doomed the health care repeal, um, and, and I still think it could rise. I don't think we should count it out as long as Republicans control both, sure. both House and Senate. But I really think the seeds of that impasse were planted way back at the beginning of Barack Obama's presidency, when McConnell uh, decided that he would lead Republicans in obstructing anything that um, that Obama proposed, that they would take him down one issue at a time, was the way McConnell expressed it to his caucus. Yeah. And um, McConnell is not really a friend of the Tea Partiers. He was very frustrated when um, when uh, Jim Dement raised money for these fringe right wing candidates, who then. Um, you know, primaried, who won primaries, and then um, Democrats won. And McConnell was frustrated by that, but at the same time, he rode that wave. And by doing that, he enabled some of that really um, virulent backlash against Obama, you know, that kind of, for want of a better word, crazy, <laughs> illogical right. hatred of Obama that I think in some ways found its expression in Trump last year. Yeah, yeah. So in a way, McConnell is reaping the whirlwind that he created. And, you know, and there again, it's really not fair to say he created that, that whirlwind, but he certainly he was willing to exploit it to the extent he could. And, and now he still has to deal with it in this Republican caucus that is divided between these very... Um, extreme right-wingers like Rand Paul, his, mm-hmm. fe- his fellow Kentuckian, and then the more moderates like the Senator Capito from West Virginia who said, I wasn't elected to come here and hurt people. Right, right. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Kathy on Facebook says McConnell might be the poster boy for term limits, lifetime in Washington changed him. Uh, John in Sterling Heights, uh, you're up first on the phones. You have a similar point of view about Mitch McConnell. Welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, thank you, Stephen, and uh, good morning to you and your guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen, I, I talked to you about a year ago about uh, term limits in the for the state, and I think one of the arguments was is that the fact they don't have time uh, with term limits, the politicians don't have time to learn their job. Sure. Well, my point is is 
30 years, he's learned very well how to manipulate uh, the system and, um, and, and block and use it to his advantage. So those 30 years of experience has really worked out well for him. So. <laughs> yeah, it has. Uh, <laughs> but I, I guess, John, my, my pushback is always that you, you don't need term limits. If, if he's not serving the people who elect him to go to the Senate, they can vote him out. Uh, why? Why do we need an automatic? Uh, why do we need an automatic way to to, to get rid of people uh, because they're not doing their jobs? And and what you're talking about really is whether he does his job, not uh, uh, not. I mean, I guess what you're talking about is whether he does his job well, not whether he does his job or not. And I, I sort of think that's different, John. What What do you think about that? And then my my argument is, then why not get rid of the presidential? Uh, uh, term limit then as well if that's the same case yeah right um, you know roosevelt packed the court in his favor so you know it's just w- how well you can manipulate in my case my point again is that experience is really not going to serve the people it's just learning how to manipulate the system yeah oh, so John. if you want to limit you know like i said let's get rid of the presidential uh um term limits Right, and right. Uh, I think that's fair. Yeah, uh, John, that's- thank you very much for the for the call and the and the comments, uh, uh, Jamie Luke. Uh, when when Mitch McConnell runs in Kentucky, is there ever a discussion about how long he's been there and whether that is part of part of the problem? Think of the the wave against insiders that we've seen in in some states. Uh, he he doesn't seem to be uh, vulnerable to that. Well, you know his primary opponent in 2014 was our current Republican governor. Right, right. And they pretty much savaged each other. And um, I think, and our our governor now, Matt Bevan, he's a Tea Party kind of guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, you know, I don't know that he, I don't know that he specifically talked about McConnell has been there too long. But definitely the theme was that McConnell is an insider um, you know, that he cares more about Washington and lobbyists than he does about, you know, people and, and, and you know, that he's part of the crony capitalism system, that sort of thing. Sure. So, yeah, I think, I mean, he gets criticism from the right and the left on that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to Ronald in Waterford. Ronald, welcome to Detroit today. Thank you. Good yeah. morning. How are you? pretty good but look here here's my my big issue i'm just a regular guy like i think most of us uh who are your listeners i work extremely hard uh during the week mm-hmm. um i pay a lot of money in taxes i don't understand how those people that are in mr mcconnell's position can do the things that they do and not look out for the people who put them there. Let's let's take an example. Okay. Here's here's John McCain, who is currently hospitalized. And I wish Mr. McCain the best and appreciate his service to our country. But he's a guy that can afford whatever type of medical uh, procedures sure. he has to have. But when you're talking about a guy like me, I pay a great deal of money for the little bit of coverage that they get to choose that I have. Yeah. And I, I, it, it's ridiculous. And I think there are a lot of people like me who is sick of the arguing and the, the cat fighting amongst these guys. 
They were sent there not to be one-sided, Republican, Democrat, independent. They were sent there to do the people's business. And, and they just don't get it. Uh, Ronald, thank you very much for the call and the comments. Uh, I, I want to ask you a question. When when you look at what's going on in the Senate now with the debate over the health care bill, I guess what side do you do you fall on? Do you think they should have adopted what was on the table, or do you think they should be coming up with something that works uh, even better than that? They should be coming up with something that works better for everyone. When when you take when you or me or anyone, when I take my uh, son into the hospital for whatever reason, some type of procedure. Because normally you don't go to the hospital unless it's an emergency. You usually go to see your primary care physician. So when I get to the hospital, I don't care if that guy's a Republican, an independent, black, white, blue. All I want is great medical care. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'd like to have it at a reasonable price. But even with that, depending upon what I go for, I'd pay anything to make sure that my child is well. And I think almost all of us feel the same way. So they need to throw out all this nonsense and get together and do what they were paid to do. Ronald, Ronald, thanks again very much for for the call and the comments. I think that reflects, uh, you know, the sentiment that a lot of people have watching what is uh, is going on there in uh, in Washington. Uh, Jamie Luke, before I let you go, I want to ask you about McConnell's future and whether the failure here uh, jeopardizes his, his position as majority leader, jeopardizes his position there uh, in Kentucky. He would have to run again in 2020 if he decides to. You said earlier that uh, you don't believe that this is necessarily dead because as long as Republicans control both houses, they could bring it back up. Uh, talk about where, where we go from here. Well, Steve, from what I've been reading this morning, it doesn't jeopardize his position as Senate Majority Leader because everyone recognizes now that it's a very difficult task sure. to try to bring unity to, to the Senate Republicans who have, who have such extreme views. Um, um, it's 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 not just like herding cats. It's right. like herding rabid cats. I think at this point. <laughs> so and so I think you know I think his position as Senate Majority Leader is safe. I think if he wants to run for re-election in Kentucky, he would he would do fine. He would be. I think he's seventy-five That's now. And his comes old. up in twenty twenty. So I mean, he is getting up in years, but not really by Senate standards. So. You know, I, I don't think he has any problems in Kentucky, really, even though no state gained more from the Affordable Care Act than Kentucky. Uh, that's also true, right? You, you guys have a, a pretty robust uh, Medicaid program there that has insured lots of people who just probably never had insurance before. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And and we're you know we're a very sick state. There are a lot of people with chronic medical conditions like diabetes. Mm-hmm who are getting regular care for the first time. Um, you know, and I think it's important to remember, too, Steve, that Trump ran on a promise to make health care better. Uh-huh. He was going to repeal you know, what the Republicans coined the phrase Obamacare. He was going to get rid of Obamacare, but he was, no one was going to lose coverage, and he was going to replace it with something beautiful. Right, right. And a lot of Trump voters, you know, 
including in Kentucky, believed that. And then as Trump discovered once he became president, it's very complicated, health care. You don't just uh, flip a switch. and Yeah, uh, and I think like there. that last caller said, if, you know, the, the thing to do now really is for Democrats and Republicans to work together and compromise, which is what the Senate used to be very good at, and, um, you know, fix, fix the problems in the current system and move on to more important more important challenges, just as that last caller said, which include the, the exorbitant cost of health care in this country and the quality of care. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Jamie Luke, editorial writer at the Lexington <laughs> Herald-Leader. My speech for today. <laughs> oh, that was wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. I enjoyed it. Yes. Bye-bye. All right, up next, uh, we're going to talk with investigative journalist Alec McGillis, who wrote a book about Mitch McConnell and his evolution as a politician. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. WDET, bringing you culture and information that empowers our community. Every day on 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about Mitch McConnell, the Senate Majority Leader, who has seen his efforts to get a Republican replacement for the Affordable Care Act fail uh, yesterday, that uh, he's not going to have the votes to get that through the Senate. What does that mean for the future of health care? Also, what does that mean for the future of Mitch McConnell, someone who first ran for the Senate as a very different kind of figure than he represents today? He was somebody who held some progressive views of his own and certainly was willing to reach across the aisle to Democrats, to work with them, uh, to come up with solutions to our problems. But think of the Mitch McConnell we know today, someone who is crowing about the incredible partisanship that took a Supreme Court seat away from Barack Obama in his last year in office and handed it over to Donald Trump uh, just recently, and we got Neil Gorsuch instead of Merrick Garland. Why has Mitch McConnell changed? Why has Mitch McConnell become something different than he was before? Joining us now to talk more about that is Alec McGillis. He covers politics and government for ProPublica. He is the author of a 2014 book titled The Cynic, The Political Education of Mitch McConnell. Alec, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah. Uh, So uh, let's quickly summarize uh, your book uh, about Mitch McConnell, which I consider to be uh, the sort of uh, foundational work on his career and sort of where it comes from and where it ends up. Uh, I think that title, The Cynic, is pretty appropriate to uh, to sort of summarize that. Uh, you see him as much more master strategist than uh, than big thinker or 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 statesman. Exactly. Um, I think I came over my time doing the book to, to realize that the way to think about 
McConnell is not through sort of an ideological lens, although he has shifted sort of on the political spectrum quite dramatically, mm-hmm. but really to think of him more as just kind of a pure politician, um, someone who embodies more than anyone else in Washington now the, the whole mindset of the permanent campaign. We are always thinking about the next election. You're always thinking about how to set yourself up, yourself and your party up for the next, next election cycle. It's not about what you do in office to, to serve the public or to advance your party's agenda. It's really more about setting yourself up so that you can win again next time. It's yeah. this sort of endless deferral. And, and that's really how I, how I came to see him. And, and as he's changed over time, as you point out, somewhat ideologically, Washington has also changed. And it's a really different environment than he first walked into in 1985. Do you think Washington changed McConnell or that McConnell had had this sort of personality type and outlook that was just perfect for the change that took place and and made him even more powerful. Yeah, I think it's really more the latter. I mean, he even back when he was more of a moderate Republican as a young man, and he and he really was. He was very much in that camp within the Republican Party, pro abortion rights, pro civil rights, even pro union mm-hmm. um, to some degree. He um, he was still even as a young man just kind of desperate um, to to rise in office and, and win elections. That was really the, the dominant characteristic. So uh, the, to me, that the key moment was in 1984 when he first ran for Senate, U.S. Senate. He barely, barely won that year, yes. um, upsetting a, a conservative Democrat in Kentucky. And at the same time, Ronald Reagan won re-election um, just very easily in Kentucky that year, um, just got a ton more votes than McConnell had. And, and McConnell really kind of drew a lesson from that that he needed to, if he wanted to win easily in the future in Kentucky and keep his seat and become a Senate majority leader, which was always his dream, that he was really going to have to shift right and, and sort of become um, kind of a, a Reagan Republican, sort of follow this, this sort of move toward the more conservative Sunbelt Republicanism that was then underway. And, and, then, um, and then he very quickly gets embroiled in the whole in the fight over money and politics and, and um, keeping the flow of money um, into campaigns, which he, which he realized was something that he himself was going to need quite a lot because he was not a very charismatic, talented politician, so he was going to need a lot of money in his campaign, so he had to keep, keep that flow going. That really became his main issue all these years. It was the only thing that seemed like he really cared about in any kind of substantive way. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about the health care bill and his difficulty getting that passed. A a few people I've talked to say that this is sort of all as Mitch McConnell wants it to to go, that even though this seems like a loss, uh, he's such a master strategist. He's so in charge of the way things go in the Senate that he perhaps orchestrated this to be able to save the party for next year's uh, election, save them against the backlash uh, that was, uh, I think, inevitable against this bill, and that he will sort of resurface with something perhaps better or more palatable later. What what do you make of that theory? I think that's quite possible. I mean, again, his the my my sort of governing theory of Mitch McConnell is that it really is always about the next election. Yeah. And, and setting yourself up for that. And if you had passed this incredibly unpopular bill, you would be risking a major backlash. The, I, I, I was a little uncertain whether my theory still held 
on, on this simply because um, health care, Obamacare, had become such a huge issue for Republicans that that it would seem possible that this would be the one time where McConnell would would basically you know cash in his chips and and finally use the power that he had accumulated now that they had all branches of government under their control that he would realize that he finally had to use that accumulated power to actually accomplish something for the party's agenda. Um, but the, but the fact that he failed to do so um, uh, certainly makes one wonder whether in fact this this was kind of the the, the plan all along not to actually pass pass repeal instead simply let um, Obamacare possibly um, you know languish and, and even die by by um, by administrative inattention sure. and sabotage which seems quite possible now and and then and then you're and then you're still in a better position for the next cycle so that you can keep the Senate and so that he can remain remote majority leader. Remember, just that is really the key, that he gets to remain majority leader so that, so that you know, when the time comes to, to, to write up his legacy in the, in the shrine that he already has uh, built to himself <laughs> at, at, in Louisville, that he can say that he was majority leader for X many years. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Alec McGillis. He covers politics and government for ProPublica. He is the author of a 2014 book titled The Cynic, The Political Education of Mitch McConnell. We are talking this hour about Mitch McConnell, uh, the failure of Mitch McConnell to get a health care bill passed in the Senate, uh, but also the evolution of Mitch McConnell over a long period of time. This was somebody who saw himself as a statesman uh, when he was elected to uh, the, the Senate in the mid-1980s, somebody who held some progressive views on his own, didn't hesitate to reach across the aisle and work with Democrats. But think of the Mitch McConnell that we know today, a bitter partisan, somebody who has said that his sole, uh, his sole goal uh, during the Obama presidency was to make sure that it was only one term, uh, that he would obstruct anything that the president tried to do. What changed about Mitch McConnell, or was it that we changed as Americans? Was it that the Senate changed and the rest of Congress changed? Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. If you want to talk about Mitch McConnell and politicians like that, uh, why we have them, how we might get people who think a little differently. Uh, you can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. James on Facebook says uh, that Republican leadership uh, complained for eight years, claiming to have better ideas. Now that they're in power, they can't even get their own party to support their ideas. They are failures. Uh, let's go to Bill in Rochester Hills. Bill, welcome to Detroit Today. Good, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, you know, the failure, this is a, uh, I couldn't, if you think you're not happy with Mitch McConnell, try being a libertarian conservative like I am. <laughs> okay, okay, so, go ahead. So just for the record, this is not a failing of Mitch McConnell. This is a failure of government on a, on a, on a micro level here. And so, I sort of repeat what I, what, what I say all day long, every day of my life, and that is that if only we had politicians that understood that they are our servants, that we gave them a checkbook. This is our housekeeper that has our checkbook that writes checks that we don't have money for. You know, this is our failing as the supervisors of this 
of this. So, Bill, so Bill, what, 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 what would you have had the Senate do here? With, so with the here's, the forget about the Senate. This is what I would do as a statesman, as a president. What I would say to each and every citizen of these United States is, how much of this government do you personally, Stephen, want to pay for? If I was taking money out of your account at the end of the month, whether you're, you're making $10,000 or you're making $100 million, how much money in proportion to everybody else do you want to contribute towards this government? And if we did that, maybe we would come to a, a true moral high ground where we would see that we have yet unborn Americans that are having to pay for our bills. These young Americans are going to show up at this American banquet with no chicken. There's going to be skin and bone, <laughs> yeah, and I, it's going to be leftover you know, silverware that's been used up. And yeah. they're coming to this and saying, what have you done? What kind of... What kind of country have you handed over to us? Right. What's your outrage for that? I I, I, I hear you, Bill, and I I think there are a lot of folks who who sort of empathize with that position. I'm not I'm not one of them. I don't think that the amount of taxes we pay is the first imperative we ought to be thinking about when we think about government. It ought to be about the services that we want and want to deliver, and that uh, we ought to figure out how much they cost and deliver. But but I think that's a that's a great. Uh, uh, a great point you're making about the disconnect that politicians have from uh, even what I'm talking about, let alone what you're talking about. Alec McGillis, I know you have to, to run soon. I want to give you a chance to respond to, to what Bill's talking about there. Well, you know, the, the, the point about, you know, politicians have forgotten who who they're really there to serve. And, and I mean, that that is, that really does apply in the case of Mitch McConnell, who who I mean, I mean the way to think about him is just as as just the ultimate um, you know career politician who who decided very early on that that um, that this was going to be what he was going to do and it was and it really was going to be about his rise up the ladder you know his it's I mentioned before this this um, this shrine that he has to himself and I wasn't kidding there, it's really quite remarkable there's a um, there's a um, arch- uh, McConnell Archive mm-hmm. in Louisville, mm-hmm. um, at the University of Louisville, and and it's been there for some years now. And there's all these exhibits set up. This whole like m- big room about showing all of Mitch McConnell's accomplishments over his career, even though his career, you know, still has years to go. <laughs> right. And and every one of the, the, these exhibits in the in the shrine is not nearly all of them are not about anything that was actually accomplished in terms of substance, in terms of passing a law or or whatnot. Um, but um, but they're all about victories. different elections that he's won, yeah. um, and and just going through each each of the different his moments along his rise and rise in power, and that's what it's really been all about. It's 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 quite extraordinary. Yeah. Okay, Alec McGillis, uh, reporter who covers politics and government for ProPublica, author of a 2014 book titled "The Cynic: The Political Education of Mitch McConnell." Thanks very much for joining us on Detroit today. Thanks for having me, Steve. All right. Up next, where does this week's repeal and replace failure in the Senate place the future of health care reform efforts in Washington? We're going to talk with political health care reporter Paul Demko next. Stay with us on Detroit Today.